0: Welcome to the Workplace Happiness Podcast, brought to you by me, Mark Price, and my platform, Engaging Works, designed to help you be happier at work. Having been the boss of Waitrose for many years and working within the John Lewis Partnership, I became interested in the way that we work, how being happy at work can not only transform an individual's life, but how it can also transform an organisation. So my mission is to get the world a little bit happier at work. In doing so, I've created a happiness survey, which measures and then compares to others how happy you are at work. It's free to take, and you can find out about it at engaging.works. In the Workplace Happiness podcast, I'll be speaking to people from all walks of life about how they work and their happiness at work. From people who've had career changes to entrepreneurs who've forged their own career paths. It's all about happiness and how we recognise this happiness at work and or get a little bit happier. Welcome to this edition of the Workplace Happiness podcast where I'm delighted to be talking to Spencer Matthews. Uh, we're in the Goring Hotel, we're in the Silver Room. Uh, so Spencer, you're, um, you're an entrepreneur, uh, you've got uh, two businesses you've set up, uh, the Clean Liquor Company uh, and also uh, Eden Rock Diamonds and we'll talk about your life as an entrepreneur. You're also on the TV, you've done lots of TV programmes, so I'd like to talk to you about what it's like uh, to work in the media. But before we start that, let's wind all the way back to when you were a kid. Your dad I know was an entrepreneur, so talk to me a little about what it was like growing up in your family, going to school, uh, your dad, work, how, how you viewed all that.
1: I've always had, since a young age, admiration and respect for my father in particular. Um, and my mother, my mother's a wonderful woman, but I've always had an interest in uh, generating success. Uh, actually, since a, since a very young age, I've always questioned how people get to a certain place or how people have certain material things, I suppose. Uh, and I've um, admired my dad for, for for a very long time from afar, almost because he was always so busy working, uh, and he had so many different, interesting businesses. And in fact, uh, whenever anyone would ask what he did, the the answer would often be different. You know, because he he was very involved in Plaxton, he was involved in racing, Manor Motorsport, which then went on to become an F1 team, property, hotels now, you know, he's always been a little bit of a jack of all trades and kind of good at
0: lots of stuff. So tell me what lessons you learned from your dad, hard work, You've said he was obviously doing lots of different things, you didn't see much of him. Um, I, I
1: am quite driven by money. Yeah, I want to be
0: very successful, I want to be wealthy. It's, it's part is that of because my... of your dad? Do you think because you saw your dad do that, you thought, I want to do that?
1: There's a burning desire deep within me, especially when I was drinking a lot, to be recognized and appreciated by. Other successful people, but mainly my brother and my father, and that wasn't possible. Um, So, my entrepreneurial drive has been triggered mainly by sobriety. Uh, In fact, sobriety has opened all sorts of doors for me. It's hard to describe the difference in life and also the difference in one's own character Um, the things that you deem unachievable and the things that you Put up roadblocks against just just dissipating. You know everything seems possible now that I'm sober, and it's really exciting actually for me.
0: So it is is your driven nature? and will we'll go through your working life, yeah. but do you think it's driven by desire then to prove yourself? There's, there's this nice thing about material, as you say, you need to work hard to get the things you want. So that clearly is important to you. It, it's, a, there's it's also a... the need to be, seem to be successful.
1: It's a life without. Um... Inhibitions, I don't, I, don't I don't want to be able to not do anything. You know, I've got a family now. The fact of it is I would like to be able to do whatever I want. You, you know, and that, that's kind of what drives me, I suppose. Um, not necessarily to be seen as successful. As long as I am successful, I don't care what people think of me. I've never really cared, to be honest, about the public perception of me, as demonstrated by my behaviour and character on Blade Chelsea. You know, it would have been very easy to turn that in and be more liked, I suppose. But then you get tons of people that found it really entertaining and enjoyed it. And ultimately, it made for a better show, is my opinion. Um, so you touch on things that you know are gonna upset people and you know, and then it creates better uh, televised drama, which was the point of that job. Yeah. I, I need to be busy, especially since giving up alcohol. If, I'm not, if I don't have a clear goal and I'm not busy with something that I enjoy doing, you're in real danger of finding life boring. You know, people that I know, some people that I know, I probably won't mention who they are, but they've given up alcohol, and all of a sudden they've realized that actually what they do isn't the most exciting thing. Alcohol is deemed to be fun, and that's where you have your fun. I'm doing the inverted commas sign for those people who are listening. So in order to replace it, you've gotta replace it with something fun. Otherwise you're gonna feel a lapse in your life where fun used to exist. I personally don't correlate alcohol with fun. I think that's a bit of a misnomer. Um, but I, I, love my work and I love having the freedom to operate in a way that I'm comfortable in. And I, I busy myself from seven in the morning to you know six pm every single day with stuff that I find really interesting. One of our companies in particular at this moment is, is you know we're we're trying to make it a, a global you know phenomenon in in the, in the coming years, and it's tricky you know that's that requires an awful lot of hard work it requires great advice and leaning on excellent people and and nothing excites me more
0: actually I lose sleep over it so for those people listening who are thinking I'd like to be an entrepreneur I'd like to set up my own business in the way that you have Spencer describe your character describe um the kind of personality you have and why you think that allows you to do what you've done um, well the
1: first thing that anyone will tell you about setting up your own business is that it's incredibly hard work. So you need to be ready for it and you need to be up for it. I don't know whether arrogance comes into it or not but you certainly need to be confident and I think that there's a fine line between arrogance and confidence. I'm very confident. I will always assume that we can do it or we can be the best. That's important not only to, to gain backing from the bank or your friends and family or people who are raising in your seed round Ultimately, if they don't believe in you, they're not gonna invest in you. I often think that surrounding yourself with people who are better than you in business is, why wouldn't you? You know, it's not a competition. It is a competition, but within your own team, you don't have to be the best. Hire someone who's incredible, who you learn from on a daily basis. The stuff that I've learned in the last 18 months is paramount, and if I go off ever and did my own thing, I will take my experience from these businesses and put them into something else, perhaps. Um, although at the moment I love my team so much that I, I would gladly take them anywhere with me but it's it's interesting and it 's a learning curve and you can 't assume you know everything
0: and did you ever have a mentor do you have a mentor now? Um, can you talk to your dad or
1: No, absolutely
0: I can talk to my dad my dad's
1: uh, the thing is about what we 're doing now is no one in my family's been involved in these sectors um, so I mean and it 's completely fresh to me as well. I went in with an idea. Well, ultimately, an idea that had already existed, but a developed version of it with a bigger dream, I would say. And uh, I wouldn't have had the faintest idea how to execute it. So you talk to people, you keep your cards close to your chest, you know, just in case anyone gets a better idea than you. And, you know, and, and, and you talk to people who you love and respect, who know certain things, and you end up in front of someone who knows, who has the answers, but not the idea. Uh, and you, you know, see if uh, they want to invest or or, or or create an equity split, and you proceed if that person is willing to do so. But thinking you can crack on and do stuff all on your own is is unintelligent. That's not the case ever, really. You know, unless you are experienced and have done it before. There's no way of knowing what this entails. We took an idea and were on 496 Sainsbury's shelves eleven months later. And this is
0: the clean liquor company.
1: Yeah, that's hard to do. You know, anyone will tell you that that's difficult to do, especially you, as you, you know, CEO of uh, Waitrose. It's, it's not. It's not. That's not easy. And I could not have done it without certain key members in my team. And you've got to look after them and make them feel like their time is completely well spent and worthwhile.
0: Okay. You know. So I'm really keen to know how the idea of setting up the clean liquor company came about.
1: I was at a stage in my life where. I had a kind of degree of arrogance to me and I enjoyed blaming other people for my shortcomings. Uh, and I was in a little bit of a, a kind of bad habit of drinking quite regularly. Um, I can blame all sorts of reasons for that. Ultimately, I liked drinking and I drank. You know, there's no, there's no other way of, of looking at it, really. So it's my fault, obviously. You know, a few of the jobs I had prior to, to doing my own thing and becoming an entrepreneur... Uh, you know, didn't revolve around drinking, but drinking was pretty common. You know, I set up my first business actually when I was nineteen called Veneer. Um, you'll know that if you have a battered old table and you veneer it, it looks new. Uh so we would find really good London nightclubs uh that had a really off night. You know, bougie's used to have Tuesdays, Bougie Tuesdays, and Amica Fridays, you know, but but what happens on, on Wednesday? You know, so 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 we would go to these clubs and we'd say We'll whack four hundred people in your nightclub. You know, we want to cut the door. We want to fee up front, uh, and you know, f- a few bottles and ten percent of the tables. And, and we agreed this with, I think, twelve nightclubs a week. You know, so so we had a little team, and and, and you know, and, and we were doing uh, pretty cool stuff then at the time. Anyway, I mean, I was barely legal to be out myself, and, and we were running this thing, and that was awesome. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. But
0: no, no, but it's a really interesting start into your mindset. So. There, you finished at Eton, you got straight Haze. It was an excuse to go clubbing, basically. Uh, yeah, but, but you turned it into a business.
1: Yeah, I wanted to be yeah. out any night, every night anyway, so why not get paid for it?
0: So so how did you have that idea?
1: That wasn't my idea. That was a young gentleman called Alex Webb's idea at the time. And he was looking for a partner. And I couldn't believe my eyes when I first saw Alex Webb. I walked into a nightclub and he was stood there just surrounded by cool people with these enormous bottles, and I thought, how is that kid like affording this? And, how, uh, blah, blah. and I was, I spoke to him, and he, um, and he basically said, it's all free, mate. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've wangled this deal with these clubs. I said, well, let's, let's do it all the time, everywhere. He had the one night at the time, and, and I said, let's, uh, let's team up. We just met. I said, let's, let's, let's team up, and we'll, we'll do it everywhere. And he said, all right. And obviously, I didn't understand the kind of ins and outs of it or, or what it would do to my uh, sleep regime. But uh, but but it, it was great. But obviously, it goes without saying, you know, we would drink every single night quite heavily then, which didn't really matter at the time, to be honest. We were up, you know, no problem the following day. We were kids. Legal drinking age. But, uh, but, but you know, you, you process alcohol a bit differently then. <clears throat> then I went to work in the city at Blue Index. At, at, um,
0: so, so how did that happen? So you're... You're having the time of your life, you're partying every night. You're there was a bit of pressure, there was a bit
1: of pressure from above to, to, to do something serious. Although, right. I to, so who's above? Uh, I think, I think my brother and dad would have preferred uh, that I did something. I mean, we listen, we we, we kind of raked in, all right, catch, you yeah. know, and it, and it was fine. But the kind of lifestyle was, you know, where do you go from there? Do you do you, do you own a nightclub? You know what, what? What and did I want to own a nightclub? Not really. We kind of knew all the ins and outs of what goes on. It's not.
0: It's not my kind of of, of, of business. Anyway. But going from there to working in finance doesn't. It, that seems like a big, big step. Um I, I did both.
1: So, so so basically, you know, we had we had a team of Hugo Taylor actually worked for us at the time and and, and stuff and what I say with us, you know, he's, he's one of my best mates now. So but you know, he was doing a similar thing. We hired him. Uh, and, you know, we had a small team of people and I thought, actually, I'll spend my days um, work, working and I'll pop into the occasional night, you know, which ended up being most nights, anyway. Uh, so, no, worked at Blue Index, uh, that was good fun. Ended up at City Index, which was better, and then ended up at ICAP, which is the best brokerage uh, TPI cap. And, and then Made in Chelsea came along. So, so. Yeah, how
0: did that come along?
1: I'd spent some time at university in the States. And uh, the hills was the most booming thing you could possibly imagine on on MTV, millions of views. Uh, I'd spent a fair amount of time with Brody Jenner, um, and we and I just um, was fascinated by his life. I couldn't believe it. You know, he, he, his life was like that of Leonardo DiCaprio or some some savage a lister, uh, and I just couldn't. If I'm honest, I didn't think he was that interesting. And, like, you're a very good-looking guy and stuff. I was like, how has this happened for him at this time? Um, And I thought, we don't have anything like this back home. So came back and uh, was talking to a friend of mine, Oliver Horner. We spoke to Pulse and we shot a pilot for a show that we were going to call The Big Smoke. London version of The Hills. Didn't go very well. Never heard anything back from them. Uh, And and (laughs) it's like one of those TV things where literally... Uh, yeah, my God, it's amazing. Yeah, we'll chat to you on Monday. End of. Uh, and then uh, basically we ended up um, working away about a year later. I got, got a call from E4. Sarah Dillistone went in. Uh, are you guys, the guys are going to do this thing with Pulse, blah blah. Would you like first look at this? And uh, at the time, I think we wanted to be exec producers and be paid this and that and they said if you don't agree this minor contract now we will give it to someone else we were okay fine we'll we'll do it (laughs) we had absolutely no experience of anything and thought you know it'd be fun to to do a show so that's how that started and then we brought in kagi and millie and you know and uh, hugo and i were first through the door i believe i think they were also talking to ollie lock and binky and stuff at the at the same time but from our perspective we, we we were in there um really early days and and it was it was uh it was very exciting then it was more about you know young fame being recognized It was more important to me than creating a successful business out of the show um so what did that do to your other work do you do you have to
0: stop all the, the yeah ICAP no veneer, veneer
1: was veneer was done by that no oh. I did the whole first series whilst working at icap that was hard yeah. so I had to film. Scenes during the day at night in my apartment with lights coming through the window to make it look like it was daytime. daytime yeah. uh, so I'd work. I was at my desk at ICap at six am. I would leave at five pm or six pm often, um, and then I'd get on a on an Addison Lee motorbike taxi uh, and be whacked across to a scene where I'd film till ten, and then I'd go home if I didn't have to entertain clients that night for ICap. Uh, and, and you know vicious circle that too that was that was tricky that sounds brutal that was hard and, and then my, my boss was extremely kind at the time he said listen um, you've done wonders with the French lines here blah 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 I understand that you want to have a crack at this TV fame thing uh, why don't you run along and pay attention to that and do that your seat will always be here for you if you want to come back oh, and, I, and I thought well, that's, that couldn't be kinder to be honest because I didn't yeah. want to leave ICAP behind necessarily because I saw it as a serious job um, and I think my, my family were quite happy that I was working there, and you know there's there's pretty good money to be made if you, if you know what you're doing in there. Um, but I gave the Maiden Chelsea thing a proper go, and if you're an avid fan, you'll see that there was a significant amount of kind of weight loss from Series One to to Series Two, and that's because I was able to focus and concentrate on on, on that as opposed to being stuck
0: at my desk all day drinking. <laughs> 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 and, and when you think now back to those ICAP days, yeah. uh, what did you like and dislike about being in that kind of formal organisation as opposed to the freedom you have now as an entrepreneur and a media
1: uh, it's the formality that I didn't really like. I suppose you love it to begin with because you feel like you're part of a big important machine, and, and it becomes pretty boring. You know, like that, that, and some people love it and get and are excited by it. I was excited by it for you know a month or two, uh, and then you're kind of sleep working.
0: Um, and you got on well with your manager, you said.
1: Yeah, I mean. Look, okay, so you need to be like. I'm not looking to insult brokers. You need to be a certain kind of person to spend your life in a brokerage. It, it, it's quite. It's very same old, same old. Every day is very similar. Um, it's fine because if you know what you're doing, as I said, you know you you you, you earn a, a potentially brilliant life out of it. They're very long hours. It's not exciting. It's not creative. You know, it's exciting. You know, for example, you go in there on a charity day and you do a bunch of trades, whack, 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 and you're out. But when it becomes your life, it's kind of the exciting trades don't become very exciting. Um, but it's 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 fun. Look, you, I mean, you're moving. We, we were moving billions of Swiss francs between banks on a daily basis, billions. So it's exciting. It's fun. You know, especially when you're a kid, you're like, or 19. You know, you're doing a trade. You, you know, you're whacking three billion Swiss francs across from Credit Suisse to. Uh, BMP or whatever you know and you're like oh my god you know it's, it's exciting
0: tell me about the idea then so okay. you've you've, uh, you've now gone Made in Chelsea full-time and are doing other media things yeah where did the idea come from how did you get into the clean looker company
1: I left Made in Chelsea god is it six years ago like a, like a long time ago and, you know, I, I won't bit the hand that fed me. It was it was great fun. But, you know, you like, like everything in life, you outgrow things. Um, it's not that it's annoying. It's just you, you grow out of it. It doesn't matter. It, it's meaningless, you know, all that stuff. It's not real life. Um, and as such, it's a poor measure of success. You know, it, it's not... It, it's immaterial. It's not real. And therefore, it doesn't matter. Uh, so I've always thought in the back of my mind that I would like to be a CEO like my brother and and run a business like my brother and have the freedom to operate and and have employees and an office, but when I was drinking, it's not, that was an unachievable uh, mirage of a goal. That just was done, you know? Uh, And it took sobriety, uh, which came 19 months ago, uh, to start to really understand my potential. Um, because before that, it was always, it was it had always been an unrealistic pipeline dream to be anything more than a semi-useful ex-television personality.
0: Did you have a moment, or was it something that you considered over a period of time that your life would be better if you just stopped drinking?
1: I've always had a huge amount of respect for so for sobriety and sober people. Um, Robert Downey Jr, all these big actors I love, sober. You know, like, so. you often, I believe, can see a clear correlation between sobriety and major success, you know. And I've always thought in the back of my mind, when I really want to unleash myself on the world, I'll be sober. So it has been in the back of my mind for some time. Although, as an alcoholic, you never really understand your problem. Like, you know, I know a lot of people that are alcoholics now, and they would take offense at such a thought even. We're not anti-alcohol in any way. And the whole point of the clean company is not to be preachy about alcohol's bad and you shouldn't drink alcohol. It's to coexist with alcohol. We're not going after seed lip. we're going after Gordon's, you know, like that's, that's, you know, we want to coexist with alcohol, we want to be on every bar. We want to, uh, if you're a gin and tonic drinker, have two gin and tonics and a clean gin and tonic. You know, if you're driving later that day or you've got a meeting at 6am or whatever, Maybe you don't want five gin and tonics, you know, after work. Have two and three of them clean. You know, we we we're not saying don't drink. The market for abstinence is much smaller than the market for moderation. We're encouraging people to moderate. And perhaps I had a much worse drinking problem than most people listening. But the fact is, I would I would never raise my voice. I would never be nasty. I would never be a horrible person. But I would drink most days. You know, and, and it would get to the point where laziness would begin to creep into your day-to-day life. Or, you know, oh, I was going to go running, but I'm not I'm not going to, because I had a couple of beers at lunch, and now I can't be bothered. Mm-hmm. You know, that was kind of my life.
0: So how did you then start the company? Who, so who, who, who did you work with? Who did you meet? How did you get the idea in your head? How did you get the finance? How, how did you get onto 499 Sainsbury's shelves? I mean, that's a hell of an achievement.
1: Thank you. So... I surrounded myself with brilliant people, but firstly, I was sober for about three months, behaving rather sanctimoniously. I was delighted, and I knew I was never going back, and it was kind of, you know, my my wife was seven months pregnant now, uh, eight months pregnant maybe even, so two months into my sobriety, you know, and I felt like life had never been better, you know, world on my doorstep, blah, blah, blah. And I went round to James and Pippa's actually, uh, and uh, and I was offered an alcohol-free gin and tonic. I couldn't believe my ears. Never heard of it before. Uh, And honestly, it kind of struck me as, how does that not exist? Well, it clearly does exist, but I was like, how have I never heard of this? And I've been making all this noise about being sober, to all sorts of people. No one's offered me an alcohol-free gin and tonic. You know, I love a gin and tonic. Pippa pours me a seed lip and tonic, and I became just obsessed with it. I found it fascinating. And I'm gripping the bottle and I'm reading it all and it's distilled from tree bark and it's to be served with peas and it's and it's like, it's this thing, this whole thing that I just thought was marvelous. You know, just unbelievable. I thought, what an exciting and incredible idea. So I messaged them on Instagram and I said, right, I said, I, I was a bit naive then. I basically was playing it like no one knew who they were because I didn't know who they were. was the arrogance thing again. I said, you know, people need to know who you are. You know, what what, what is this? Let's talk. Like, you know, I'd love to be an ambassador of your brand. Uh, and you know, they've been going since two thousand fourteen, as I'm sure you know. By now, they're they're on every single bar ever. You know, in the world. You know, in every airport. And, uh, and so, so you know, they they sent me this lovely message about, oh, you know, we're 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 fine, thanks. Um, probably never heard of me, and uh, and they just said, you know, we're we're delighted that you're a fan of the brand. We'd love to send you some. So I just said, fine. That didn't really go according to plan. Uh, but you know, I saw it as, you know, I want to be part of this seed lip community, and I ended up talking to to a distillery in Cork. So I would be flying to Cork every week to to chat to to, to these people, and we created this almost alcohol-free gin, and they were saying we can't call it gin. It's illegal, blah, blah, blah. And, I said, and I'm, 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 I'm thinking, I'm ill equipped to handle all of this. You know, I need a legal team. I don't have, you know, I have my own money, but here's another word of advice don't try and fund the whole thing yourself, you know, regardless. Because honestly, you need serious backing to go into business to create your own thing. It's not cheap,
0: and particularly food and drink.
1: It's, it, it guzzles money like nobody's business. You need to make sure that you have partners or, or people who have incredibly deep pockets. VC, you know, VC is the way I I enjoy working with VC. Um, one of the moments that opened my eyes the most was I sat down with someone who knows about all this stuff and uh, and I said, how much money do I need? And they went, three million quid. I went, how much? He said, three million quid. And, I, and, and I, just said, I just said, explain to me why I would need three million pounds. He said, okay, listen, you know, you don't necessarily need three million pounds. You need three million pounds to make a success of it. The main thing that I, that I wanted to do was develop a range across all liquor. So the gin was just the very beginning. I believe our product is great. And I think that we're likely to succeed on that front. We've got a rum coming out, which is awesome. like like the rum is honestly like i mixed i I had a diet coke and some of our clean rum the other night could have been on the beach yeah yeah seriously and i i I love i love loved loved my rum so it's uh that's going to be just the most awesome product we're releasing a raspberry vodka later in the year we've got ready to drink clean gin and tonics we've got ready to drink drink clean rum and colas you know we're going massive we've got a big meeting with tesco's coming up we're currently on 500 shelves this is off trade we want to be on couple of thousand, three thousand by the end of the year, you know, um, so yeah, we want to, we want to turn, uh, sobriety or moderation drinking into a popular choice of the future. For me anyway, you know, success is is far more achievable with sobriety and just, I'm a better father, I'm a better husband, I'm a a nicer person, I'm more patient, I'm, I'm, everything about my life is better because of sobriety. And again, we're not urging people to be sober. We're just saying, you know, if you feel like maybe you consume a couple too many units a week or whatever, give King clean go. It probably will do the exact same thing for you than a gin and tonic at the end of a hard day.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. And we wish you every success with that. I'm sure you will be successful. Um... That was me speaking to Spencer before the coronavirus hit. We decided to go back to Spencer post-lockdown and see how his business is doing and to get his top tips from working at home. Spencer, it's lovely to see you. Now, can you just start off by reminding us all what your normal day was like before the Corona lockdown?
1: Yeah, hi, mate. Thanks. uh, Thanks for having me back on. Um, Before the coronavirus lockdown, well, we, we were incredibly busy and we're still busy to some degree, but we were... Uh, just getting to the end of the first quarter of this year of building the the perfect team uh, with which to, to grow an international business, uh, starting obviously with home here. Uh, we were just, just, just getting to the point of um, having that kind of what we would deem to be perfect team and having the keys to our sparkly new office where we could all um, communicate together from the same room all the time uh, and, and it, uh, as fate would have it um, we, we get our keys now tomorrow uh, so not, not the best of times uh, for, for us in terms of staying on top of things uh, but you know what I have a huge amount of confidence uh, with our team and I feel as though uh, we'll pull through
0: it and things should be fine. And what about your drink? How How is that going to be impacted now? We're very much a,
1: we made the decision around the time that we launched, uh, so pre-coronavirus lockdown, to be uh, very much an off-trade business uh, driven by direct consumer sales and and supermarkets. Uh, As you well know, uh, supermarkets aren't doing badly at all at the moment. Uh, So, you know, this isn't uh, the end of the world for us as it stands, um, we have cut our, our, our on trade team completely. We're furloughing uh, and, and just looking to, well, hoping for that and looking to make some, some adjustments to our, to our team uh, in that sense. Given that we are already in 496 Sainsbury's, in 40 Dunn stores, and in conversations with other supermarkets, as long as uh, those supermarkets continue. Uh, to work in the ways that they say they are and continue uh, down the route of caring about this no and low category which is erupting Um, we could be fine it's very difficult to know or tell uh, kind of what's happening what we can do is is work together keeping constant communication make sure that our language is appropriate when we sell to people of course um, going to sleep for three months is never an option in business uh but of course hard selling people who are uh anxious, worried and in isolation is is uh is not what we look to do either. So we just need to make sure that we get the right balance in our marketing, that we save money where we can, uh, that we spend uh very differently, and that obviously we keep a closer, a much closer eye on our cash uh for the next year at least. Uh than we would have ordinarily, perhaps our kind of aim uh, and well, company mantra, I suppose, was that we're going to go big, we're going to go hard, we're going to go heavy, we're going to spend, you know, we're going to we're going to we're going to become a big name fast, you know, and take advantage of this beautiful marketplace that that everyone or at least uh, people, uh, a lot of people are interested in. So uh, that is obviously changing. Um, not looking for silver lines all over the place, but I actually personally believe that uh, alcohol sales have gone up thirty eight percent i believe in 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 these times of uh, uncertainty and I would urge people to just you know if you 're not a big boozer to not become a big boozer it 's very often uh, uh, not the way forward. Uh, I'm not saying that enjoying a nice gin and tonic in the garden is not the way forward uh, in these times of uncertainty, just that drinking heavily uh, during times of uncertainty will very rarely be um, the correct way forward. So actually a good clean gin and tonic now more than ever is, 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 is relevant I would say.
0: And, and Spencer tell us um, what's your working life like now That you're locked in at home? So every
1: morning uh, the whole team gets together on a Google Hangout uh, at 9 a.m. and uh, we just share what we've been up to the day before or we keep it nice and casual. Um, You know we find out how each and every one of us is going through isolation in uh, their different ways. I feel very fortunate to be isolated with uh, my wife and child, obviously, who I love more than anyone else in the world. So actually, it makes it uh, uh, really very bearable having to spend a lot of time with them. It's, it's uh, what you would want anyway. The only thing that's really suffering is uh, close quarters communication you know, within the business. Obviously, now more than ever, we need to focus on what our individual goals are in the week. And we need to set out achieving them on our own, you know, without, you know, typically if you had a meeting, you'd go with two or three guys or girls from your team and you're all in it together and you feel like you're kind of fighting the same fight. Whereas now uh, everyone working from home is um, just a different way of looking at it. You know, we're, we're, we're very much in touch, all of us. Uh, We very much know uh, what the other is getting up to and we have clear and concise um, goals to achieve. And so far, um, you know our direct consumer sales are actually up for this month. Uh, obviously, a lot of people are staying home, as I mentioned before. Uh, a lot of people might drink a bit more than they would ordinarily and then perhaps realize that that feeling of being hungover is not what they want during isolation. Um, so in many ways, I see our product to be a very relevant product, uh, especially in these times. Uh, so you know just our tone of voice has had to change. our marketing spend is going to have to change. Uh, however, I see a lot of marketing opportunity, and that a lot of people and a lot of brands, especially early brands, are not going to look for marketing, marketing opportunities in the same areas as they might have before. If People were thinking about spending on a big billboard or on a big campaign, uh, they obviously might not do that anymore, which might in turn drive the cost of uh, that space down. So we'll be looking for all sorts of uh, opportunities as well.
0: And Spencer, tell me, what would be your three tips to people listening? for being uh, as productive as they can be when they're working from home?
1: Well, my tips are going to be kind of the same as anybody else's tips, obviously. Keeping busy uh, is, is a nice feeling. Uh, learning something new is always nice. I'm cooking more than I ordinarily would. My wife is baking. You know, we, we, we try and have something kind of in the oven uh, all the time. She's actually really good. Uh, cook which i didn't necessarily know before so there's a silver lining for you um there's uh no there's all sorts going on obviously we get to spend time with your, your children is wonderful if you have children i find that when i get up in the morning uh i i'm usually up at kind of six thirty uh, anyway but i find that if you go through your morning routine as you would ordinarily if you were going to work so you know shower shaving you know getting getting changed albeit casual uh if you if you kind of stay in your dressing gown until 10 11 12 that has an effect on the way that i work anyway i don't know if that's the same for other people so i like to feel fresh um if you work out i like to work out in the morning just just get it all you know try and go about your day as you would ordinarily i'm running a lot more than i usually do uh time wise i mean you know my my runs are much longer now um just trying to stay fit and healthy uh, you obviously have complete control over what you're eating and drinking now because you know you 're not in a business meeting you 're not on a train you're not you're not you know in areas so i 'm seeing this as a time to uh really button down the hatches on on being exactly as you'd want to be fit healthy you know strong clear minded uh and really trying to use it to my advantage
0: right and what do you think are the worst things about working from home as compared to your life pre lockdown?
1: I think it's very difficult to gain any kind of momentum in, in business uh, when you're all separated at home. Um, you know, even moments of that should be joyous and successful, we can't build and really grow on the momentum when we're all separated when we're at home. So it's actually quite difficult to feel uh, immersed in what you're doing because obviously. It feels like you're at home on a weekend, uh, so it's. Um, I don't have much to be negative about, if I'm honest. Uh, I feel like I think the economy will recover. I think this isn't uh, a divide down. Uh, this isn't a political divide, or, 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 or you know, this isn't a, the, the housing market collapsing or something whereby you, the future is really uncertain. You know, this is a this is a, a, a virus, albeit a scary one, um, and in my opinion. The economy will bounce back, you know, the longer the economy goes to sleep, that's no good for the country either. So I believe that actually as a country, we're doing a really good thing. Uh, And I believe that uh, we we will be back to full strength, probably quicker than than people imagine. I don't mean weeks, I do mean months. But um, I don't see this dark cloud being a two year long thing, as some people are saying. Uh, I believe that in the next six months to a year, things may be back to normal. That's just my personal opinion. Obviously, I'm not a politician uh, or an expert, but I think that uh, th- th- this doom and gloom uh, cloud that appears to be getting bigger, uh, I think when things start to lighten up a bit on the coronavirus, uh, it will it will dissipate faster than it came.
0: And, and to end, my last question for you, Spencer, what do you most like? about working from home all the time
1: um well I, you know i i i do love being at home i'm not a very social person neither is my wife we both focus uh most of our interests uh, are on our careers and our work and each other and our family so this you know this feels like a very strange mix of um trying to run a business and also time off you know because because you give yourself stuff to do and then when it's done you're already at home um so you know obviously spending time with my wife and son is uh is incredible and, I, and i'm loving that side of it I, I am of the opinion that you know i would be achieving more and the business would be better obviously if we were able to be in our office so i'm also looking forward to that but uh the home cooked grub is is
0: uh, wonderful on that highlight spencer Thank you very much for talking to us today. Uh, We wish you every success with the Clean Liquor Company. Um, I'm sure that uh, irrespective of what uh, events are thrown at you, you'll make it a huge success. Thank you for your time. Thanks very much, Seth. Cheers, mate. Thank you for listening. And again, if you want to take control of your workplace happiness, go to engaging.works and take the free happiness survey. See you next time.